Thaddeus Ellenberg presents Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg. Twenty one days in Park Ridge. When the Dwyer family moved into their new home in the quiet community of Park Ridge Hills in Pennsylvania, they discovered the curious sound of a cell phone emitting from inside the walls. Detectives handling the case stated that the cell phone belonged to 46-year-old Drew Hersner of Hermanas Beach, California, son of the home's former resident. Hersner went missing seven months earlier after flying east to visit his mother. Found on Hersner's cell phone was a series of recordings, taken over the three-week period leading up to his disappearance. What follows is a collection of those recordings. Listener discretion is advised. <clears throat> hi. I, I don't know why I said hi. I, I don't usually record my voice. Not familiar with the procedure. Also, I haven't a clue where to look, so... Anyway, my name is Drew Hersner, and several days ago, I flew back home for the first time in a long time to visit my mother. Nah, it's not what you think. My, my mother and I talk on the phone every other Sunday. I've even flown her out west for a birthday or two since Dad passed, so, you know, it's not like I'm a monster. Not that we always see eye to eye. Sure, she can come across a bit too pious, but with her... Sanctimonious talk surrounding the skort and its sinfulness. Yeah, her beliefs may be a tad antiquated and a skosh or two backward, but, you know, it's just been a minute since I've set foot in this house. Now, I realize this message may be premature. I, I'm not panicking yet, but I feel given the circumstance and lack of Wi-Fi or even a signal, it may be in my best interest to document this situation. I don't suspect many people are going to believe me. My phone has a full charge, so I'll stay with you as long as I can. I figure the more proof I have, the stronger case I'll be able to make. Plus, when I get back, this will get loads of likes on social media. So, it seems, in my absence, my mother has developed a bit of a hoarding complex. Sure, she's always been part pack rat, but this... This isn't that. This is far less endearing. The... Why for how I found myself in this mess. Literally. See, my first night here, I woke up in the middle of the night to pee, and, well, I must have gotten turned around somewhere, and I I can't seem to find my bearings. I tried retracing my steps, but wound up in a room with black trash bags filled with decorative birch branches and framed photos of people I didn't recognize. Now, I know how all this must sound, believe me. You're... Probably thinking I'm crazy, that I'm making this whole thing up, that I've mistaken the neighbor's house for my own, or slid back a couple of hydros to tolerate my mother and her itchy blankets. You gotta trust me, this this isn't in my head, and I'm not doing a bit. I did take the hydros, but this is actually happening. All structural features of this house, which I lived in for nearly two decades, are completely indiscernible in its current condition. 
Every direction I go, I'm dwarfed by a maze of magazines. Dazed by floral patterns and dangly fake crystals, I fear I've been going in circles. Chintzy placemats and elaborate napkin rings litter what little surfaces there are, like syringes on the sidewalk of a city with a lot of parks and two-hour brunch lines. It's nothing but hall after hall of hat boxes, crucifixes, and mirrors. Mere mirages that find me signaling to myself for help. Relief quickly turns to dread as I look around and realize I'm alone. Instantly, the years of isolation and failed attempts to gain sympathy come flooding back. Mom, my stomach hurts. Did you pray about it? But the strange thing of it is, it doesn't doesn't feel like I'm alone in this house. And I don't mean my mother, who could be anywhere. It's been 48 hours since I last made visual contact. I called out her name, but her hearing isn't what it used to be. She has an aid, but my brother Alan got it on deep, deep discount. She scurried off behind a series of freezers and a life-sized nativity scene before I could get to her. Her knowledge of the landscape is vast. It is a world of her own making, and I am merely a tourist. Still, I... I sense a strange presence. An unsettling force. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I can feel it. Something past the piles of clothes and year-round garland. Something sinister. <sighs> I know that sounds ridiculous, and... Listen, I'm probably just making a mountain out of a molehill here. Still, I should remain vigilant. There's no telling the horrors that await around every corner. Day 5. Hunger is starting to set in. Mom's ribeye from the first night stuck around but is no longer with me. That's all I'm comfortable saying at this time. Yesterday, though, I found a cinnamon disc stuck to the bottom of a candy dish under a stockpile of pennies, paper clips, and oozing batteries. I managed to extract it from its melted wrapper and free it of lint to steal a little lick for sustenance. And it couldn't have come a moment too soon as the potpourri caused mild tremors in my hands and my right eye to trail off to the side slowly. If I could only find my way to the kitchen. Sadly, the... Signature hum of my mother's prized refrigerator has been muffled by mountains of seasonal throw pillows and garment bags. I've established base camp here. Where here is, I'm not entirely sure. Judging by the collection sizes and their close proximities, and not being fooled by the standing indoor birdhouses with ornamental wrens and robins, I surmise I'm in a bedroom. A spare by the look of it. I've built a shelter from wrapping paper, reinforced with scotch tape and silk ribbon. The floor is made of matted wigs and amassed sweaters with sequent designs and flashy palms for comfort. <sighs> Today my plan is to head toward the potato storage bin I found the other day during my initial survey of the house. To forage. Not the one with the potato on it, but the one labeled taters next to the giant ceramic rooster. From there, I should be able to make my way back to the room with the artificial Christmas trees and television stacked on top of each other, which I believe was my room. And with any luck, before the heat comes on. Otherwise, I'll be stranded. 
In any event, I've managed to fashion a hat from an eyelet shawl that should prove protective while still being breathable. I also adore the color. Now, if it is my room, that's where I'll have the best chance of making my way out. I remember my father's study down the hall. He used to sit in there all evening playing his records and crying at the top of his lungs so everybody could hear him. He was a haunted man and made sure we all knew it. Something about a girl in college and us not understanding. Then that would mean I'm in my brother's room. Not Alan's, Richard's. I couldn't tell. The sewing machine was blocked by several floral arrangements with gold peacock feathers. Richard liked clothes. He moved to New York. After a disappointing week of fruitless attempts to locate my old room, finally, the horde giveth back, and today is a good day. Today I am full, and I'm smiling. I didn't find the kitchen, but I found the next best thing. A completely sealed box of peeps and a 12-pack of Diet Cokes from three Christmases back. Not to mention a whole case of chocolate advent calendars and a handful of cherry lozenges, which should prove advantageous on the trail. This score should last me for the foreseeable future until I'm able to gather enough supplies for a proper trek toward the kitchen, past the bathroom, or the room with supposed porcelain and wire hangers where I was able to flush a distress message, beyond the point in the carpet of what I'm convinced is one of the original hallways, where the shag ends and the shadows come to life. Where the presence gains intensity. What is this strange and troubling sensation? It's almost as if it's admitting from beyond the living room. From the other side of the house. Toward what I believe is the direction of the master bedroom. As I draw nearer, my head pounds and pulsates. And it grows louder with every passing breath. Throbbing. Sometimes it sounds like shrieking, particularly on birthdays or early in the morning when I've been up all night playing mystery date alone in my room because mother hid all the couch cushions and grounded me for immoral acts. Mom and dad were not fond of one another, and in their fifty-something years of marriage were never once seen showing affection. Affection was something other families witnessed. I still to this day take the notion of our existences as a result of traditional conception on hearsay. I'm all but convinced the actual method involved a televangelist and a series of motions with a similar fluidity to a game of red light, green light. Thus these sensations are confusing and more than disturbing. All the same, it is a place of mystery and extreme caution. One of considerable malevolence that must be avoided. It is evident the terrors of this house are alive and well. Now, when in a survival situation, especially in a strange and hostile environment such as this, it's important to fend off the effects of isolation by staying busy with side projects. I'm a music fan, so I've fabricated this guitar-like instrument from a single strip of cardboard with strings drawn on using crayons. Now, the great thing about doing it this way is it works for all types of music, even if you can't play. Now, I used a piece of cardboard without water damage. I found it helps with the integrity of the instrument, but really it's your preference. 
Now let's take a look at some wonderful woodwinds I'm working on from drinking straws and paper towel tubes. Two days ago, or 288 heating cycles, I located the kitchen. Let us never speak of the kitchen again. Its anticipated bounty of freshness and late-night contraband I remember so fondly from those Thanksgiving days when we celebrated by fasting with eight hours of hymns have been replaced by a museum to freezer burn and discontinued condiments from the Johnson administration. It is a heavy blow, and my spirit is spent. I haven't the strength to leave my sweaters today. I'm hungry and weak. I don't know how much longer I can take this. At night, which is difficult to gauge with no natural light, I consider taking one of the plastic bags always at arm's length no matter where I am and... and ending my suffering. I know it's a morbid thought, but it's just too much. My sanity wanes and wanders amidst the odds and ends of decades past. One's constants, now meaningless refuse. Desperation has proven my only companion. I'm afraid all hope is lost and the end is near. This is how I go. Missing inside my mother's house. No mere child's play compared to the wickedness that waits idly out there for me. An evil that terrifies me far greater than any death. to place your holiday potpourri, choose the Potpourri Bowl. Available wherever items are priced in pen. There's a lot of salt and pepper shakers out there tonight. Yeah, and some roly-polies from the Dillard Shopping Bag Agency. Let's break a leg. House lights dim. Applause. Curtain. We open on the postmodern kitchen of Creswell Cricket, age 40 picking at a plate of rotting plant matter left over from his wife's surprise birthday celebration. Creswell Cricket is the town crier and unofficial mascot of Bugtown in the reality of a French-Canadian animated series on Saturday mornings before sports. Today, Creswell Cricket found out that he is dying and that he won't live to see the birth of his Cricket children. But worst of all, that he won't make it for the annual Bugtown Founding Day Parade. I'd like to call to order the first meeting of the Coalition for Centerpieces. We gather here today to unite as one and take back our rightful seat at the middle of the table, regardless of panache, scent, or appropriateness of the season. I'd of course like to extend a warm welcome to the cornucopias from the other room, we're delighted to have each of you for this inaugural assembly. Candelabra, would you like to come up here and say a few words before we begin? Oh, my apologies. Uh, I either one of you. 
So what do you think, Susie Strawberries? Any of these eligible wise men tickle your girdle? <laughs> You're so bad. Looks like somebody's got Gentile fever. Day 17. The darkness is calling, beckoning, filling me with flashes from a forgotten world that scrape across my hippocampus like nails on a chalkboard. Powerful waves of mortification wash over me, like the E. coli tide pools of an Atlanta-area water park. Its foulness is palpable, though it charms my senses, coaxing me to present myself. Compulsion is fierce and growing. My fear may have already taken hold of me. I can feel it. My vision has gone cloudy and I'm suddenly overcome with a craving for lard and foods wrapped in foil. Shortbread, liver and beets. All hail the god of Werther's Originals. I'm convinced the darkness has been inside me this entire time. Fester. Don't blaspheme, boy! It is clear this is why I'm here. I must go to it. My ceremonial moo-moo will shield me from the atrocities that surely lie ahead. As will this pale foundation, sheer glow with pesticides and deodorant. Four ninety nine plus tax. This hot pink lipstick and bright blue eyeshadow will incapacitate those that attempt to interfere in our crusade. There is an impurity within these walls, and a cleansing is coming. These halls will be filled with the word of the Lord, and weekly tithes made to a one eight hundred number. You'll see. You'll all see. Your vile behavior will not be tolerated in this house. Do you hear me, boy? Your vulgarities will be atoned for. It's rather chilly on this side of the house. Drew? Sweetie? Angel? Are you back here? You know what Mommy says about going in her bedroom. Drew? Drew? Is my little preacher man in Mommy's room? Filth. Smut. It's everywhere. 
must rid myself of it. Inside the walls I'll stay until the cleanse is complete. His fury will come down with a mighty blow. You'll see. You'll all see. smite to wipe out the wicked and restore this house of purity. It's begun. Let the healing commence. Production of Thaddeus Ellenberg's Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg. With an introduction by Nicole Kalasich. And artwork by Adrian Lobel. Special music by Jason Dove. This series is independently produced by Thaddeus Ellenberg and Will Scoville. To find more episodes and information, visit our website at tecasualfriday.com or email us at contact.casualfriday at gmail.com. 